Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the 30 Truth Podcast, where we discuss the truth and lies about adulting as a 30-something. I'm your host, Arkman DeRosier, and outside of being an entrepreneur, a content creator, and a millennial thought leader, think of me as a brother, a friend, a colleague, or just a random guy that likes all of your social media posts. Now, instead of us trying to navigate through our 30s on our own, let's journey together for the next few moments and uncover some truths, share a few gems, and have a few laughs while we're at it. This is the 30 Truth Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the 30 Truth Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me again. And thank you to everyone that has been supporting this show. We're off to a great, great start. And I feel like we're building a 30-something tribe here. So really, really grateful that you are listening, that you are sharing um, this and you're following us on social. Um, Just to let you know that we're not only... Uh, streaming this uh, available on uh, Spotify and Anchor, but we also have expanded um, to other platforms such as uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and Breaker. So if you or anyone you know are normally used to receiving their podcasts on those platforms, they can find the 32 podcast there as well. So as you guys know, we like to start this show off with uh, a segment we like to call Truth Be Told. Um, It's kind of my way of keeping my mental health in check, you know what I mean? Um, In order for me to be able to relax and relate to you all, I must release. And so this is where I take a few moments just to sound off about a person, place, thing, or an idea within the culture. And um, Truth Be Told. So guys... I was on the internet and I found an article from theroot.com um, that was highlighting um, this current situation or expounding on a different perspective on the situation surrounding immigration. Um, as you guys, some of you may know or don't know, but I live in the state of Texas and um, you know a lot of the detention camps that are on the border um, are in Texas um, and that are really playing an active role in containing and detaining um, people who are seeking asylum and trying to flee their native countries to come into the U.S. Unfortunately, as you guys have seen on the news, um, our current uh, President Orange um, and his coup d'etat of staff is, you know, not treating these people with the the human rights that they deserve or giving them the human rights that they deserve. Um, things are unfortunately just getting out of hand from a standpoint of just safety, uh, capacity, uh, hygiene, all these things are just major, major problems. Um, even in addition to the fact that they shouldn't be held all together because seeking asylum is not a crime. And that's just something that we need to just, just accept that seeking asylum is not a crime. What they're trying to do is weaponize this, 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 this desperation that people have to find a better life and flee their countries. So what got me about this article I found on the route was that they were highlighting on how these immigration policies and the things that we're currently seeing as far as the general attack against the Mexican community is that this is also affecting immigrants of other nationalities as well. Um, I'm of Haitian descent, and this article is actually highlighting how Haitians as well as Africans are also people that are being held in these uh, border camps, in these areas to where um, they are being contained and detained and not being able to seek asylum into the U.S. Um, people, you know, leave their native countries for various reasons, right? Whether it be poverty, uh, desperation, um, religious persecution, all these things. And so the article is really talking about the fact that when we look at these policies, we have to be mindful that 
although there seems to be a direct attack from Trump against this group, it's really affecting all groups. And so therefore, we all need to be concerned about this. We're not making light of the fact that what's happening in Mexico and other uh, uh, Central America uh, communities and what's happening there is not grave. But we realize that also people are fleeing because they also have coming from grave situations in other parts of the world, but they're being stopped and they're being held in these, you know, I'll go, it's hard to say, call it this, but it's a form of a camp, right? When you when I say camp, I think we know the connotation of what that references to, right? Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was down there visiting the sites and, you know, she definitely did not like what she saw. And she, you know, mentioned that these camps are similar to what we consider to be concentration camps. Now, we know the history of that. It's a very sensitive subject matter. We don't make light of what happened to the Jewish Holocaust because the reality is, they were not only being held, but they were being put to death um, in these these camps, right? And so in that, um, you know, I think it was a, a, a tough choice of words, but I do see that what she's trying to say is that this is a foreshadow of what could happen. What happened back in the, uh, uh, the during that time period for the Holocaust could very much so happen um, and what we're seeing now, because the reality is that this was the roadmap that led to it. You know, a lot of us know that there is a history of, concentration or, you know, the other word I like to use is internment camps, right? So whether it be what happened with the Jewish Holocaust, or whether it be what happened with the Japanese. And in some ways, you know, I think Native American reservations um, can kind of have that sense, even though it's not, they're not being, um, I guess, uh, terrorized as aggressively, at least from what's my understanding. But the reality is that what's happening um, at the south of the border is just, you know, it should outrage everyone. And if you often maybe have put yourself in a position to where you feel distant, if you feel disconnected from this because you are not of Mexican descent or you don't have one in your family that's directly affected by that, be mindful that all these things are going to affect someone some way, somehow that you know. Six degrees of separation. So whether it be a friend's family member, whether it be a co-worker's family member, whether it be somebody in your uh, faith community and their family member, someone's going to be affected by this. And it's important that we stand up to this and we should feel outraged. We should be speaking on it and we should be vigilant in making sure that people are not making it seem or downplaying what's actually happening here because it's wrong. We're violating human rights. And quite frankly, we just need to be better people and let these people go or at least find a better solution to process them while trying to seek asylum. So that's my truth be told for today. And we'll be right back after this break. Support for this episode is being brought to you by Belle Nouveau Beauty. Belle Nouveau Beauty is a company that provides handcrafted and natural beauty products for healthier skin and hair. Belle Nouveau Beauty has a great selection of moisturizing body products, skin care, and hair products specifically for curly, coily, and textured hair. As a special offer, Listeners can save 15% off their order with promo code 30. Visit www.belno.com today to start your journey to healthier skin and hair. All right, we are back and we are live, baby, on the scene. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I think it came from a video I saw on social one time. The, uh, this lady was acting like she was a live reporter um, on the scene of a fire. And she was like, we live. And uh, I was like, ma'am, you don't work for the news station. Anyways, so guys, <laughs> it's time for our today's truth segment, uh, which is normally our main order of business for every episode. And so um, today's truth is about analysis 
paralysis, all right? I know you've heard the term before, whether it be on social or um, any other form of media. Um, it's something that I think people have heard about, um, but I don't know how much we're really actually talking about this and how it affects our day-to-day -day or affects um, big moves and definitely affects our lives as 30-somethings where we're supposed to know everything, have the right answer, and all that jazz. So I wanted to bring this truth up to the forefront of our conversation because honestly, I really struggle with this. Um, as someone who is a self-proclaimed perfectionist, I often find myself like critically thinking about um, so many different things to the point of a complete mental exhaustion. Like for as long as I can remember, I've always been one of those people who likes to know like everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to have a clear understanding of every detail for whatever the task is. And so, um, it's not that I can't see the big picture, but it makes me feel more comfortable to know the ins and the outs of whatever it is that I'm faced with. And so, um, I feel like in most scenarios pertaining to like work and running my business, um, you know, being analytical, having analytical prowess, you like that word choice for the day, prowess, is a plus for getting things done the right way the first time. But unfortunately, in other scenarios, I'm basically overanalyzing a task and, you know, of course, it takes me longer to get it done or sometimes it just leaves me so overwhelmed to where I can't even accomplish it or finish it. And before you know it, the day is gone. Now, are any of you like me? Like, seriously, come on now. I know I am not the only one that suffers from analysis paralysis. You know what? Go ahead and tap your neighbor. Okay, tap your neighbor right now. Turn to your neighbor and tap him and tell him he's talking to you. All right? So, you know, and trying to get more understanding about analysis paralysis, because like I said, it's a term that we hear about um, and that we've heard of before in different settings, but, you know, we're not really like digging into it and like I said, applying it or understanding how it applies to our day-to-day -day lives as 30-somethings. So I reached out to the reliable source, okay, not Wikipedia, all right? For those of you using Wikipedia, you should be ashamed of yourself, okay? We should not trust platforms that can be edited by other people um, and non-qualified people at that. But I reached out to Uncle Google and looked for a reliable source um, on this particular subject matter. And I found this article on the site called habitgrowth.com. And so um, they had an article um, actually pertaining to solopreneurs, which I consider myself. But the title of this article, and y'all, this, this title is like so disrespectful. Like I truly felt exposed uh, and disrespected. The title is called Analysis Paralysis or Why Even the Brightest People Are Unsuccessful. Do you see how disrespectful that title was? The, that was? the editor is at Habit Growth. Come on, guys. Really? You got people out here really feeling like we are just not living our best lives because we're suffering from analysis paralysis, which is partly true, but we're trying to get past it. So in the article... Um, they, I kind of, you know, obviously I read it, I'm not going to read the article to you, once again, it's on habitgrowth.com, um, but in this article, just to kind of summarize what I gathered from it, is that, um, they highlighted the three P's of paralysis analysis, all right, and those three P's are perfectionism, procrastination, and paralysis, all right, so from the article, what I gathered was, is that we tend to follow a pattern of desiring perfect outcomes so much that it fuels procrastination of actually executing the task, and then which in turn leaves us paralyzed with a feeling of either guilt or disappointment, all right? Now, once again, three Ps, perfectionism, procrastination, and paralysis. I have definitely experienced that pattern in that order, okay? In that order, I've experienced that pattern 
for something that I was supposed to get done or do. And I literally cannot get through it to the point where I'm paralyzed. And I'm like declaring the rest of the day is canceled. Like stick a fork in me. I'm done. Finished. Exit stage. Right. The rest of the day is canceled because I just can't get past this or I waited too long to make a decision. And therefore, all is lost. And so as I got to thinking about this, I had to come to terms with where those three P's are rooted in in my life and in my perspective, right? So perfectionism, procrastination, and paralysis. Like, what is the root of those? Like, why do I struggle with those three areas and ultimately, you know, make me another victim to analysis paralysis? So when it comes to perfection, right? I realized that it really was tied to my upbringing. My upbringing in a strict Caribbean religious Christian household, that type of upbringing and all the things that come along with that made me feel that there was never any room for error because I would be like reprimanded. So if I didn't do something, I would normally get immediately reprimanded or, uh, you know, verbally or physically reprimanded. And so in that, it started to train my mind that I can't mess up. And in a lot of ways, don't get me wrong, there are consequences to actions taken or actions not taken, but it's extreme to think that I'll never make a mistake, right? Like that I never can get something wrong and that everything has to be perfect all the time. That's just not realistic whatsoever. It's kind of like an intense policing of myself uh, just to ensure that I'm being perfect. But the reality is I've made it all the way to my 30s and I definitely had my fair share of mistakes, and it really didn't stop the show. Might have had some setbacks, but nobody came around the corner to punish me because my room isn't clean, because I didn't get an A on the test, or I didn't show up here, or I didn't do that, didn't do this. Like, that was not the case going into adulthood, but it really was, um, I guess you could say, an emotional trauma, like a true like scar on my psyche. Like it really impacted the way that I see the world and the way I view myself and what I put out there and that it has to be perfect. And so becoming more aware of that root for my perfectionism uh, made me a little bit more aware, of course, and alert and vigilant in counteracting that. So, you know, I've heard the expression of like parenting your inner child. And that's what it feels like to me. I feel like I'm trying to like reparent my inner child, not to hold perfection over my head and make it seem as if like, you know, you are not approved of or accepted or affirmed if everything is not perfect in what you do and what you put out there. So that was that, right? When it comes to procrastination, uh, I remember, this is a kind of backtrack a little bit. I remember my virtual mentor slash fellow entrepreneur. He's my virtual mentor because he's not here. So I just kind of follow his IG and that's how I get stuff. But anyways, Paul C. Brunson, follow him on social, great, 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 great guy, great content, great entrepreneur, Paul C. Brunson, he explained something that provided me with so much clarity on this, the topic of procrastination, right? I promise y'all, it felt like a 60-second TED Talk on Instagram with this video that he posted, and what he calls it is the stress of decision-making. Let's just pause there for a second. Think about that. The stress of decision-making. Finally, I had the language to describe what I was feeling and why I was feeling it. I literally began to realize that I procrastinate because I feel stressed. I feel stressed about all the decisions I have to make in a day or all the, all the decisions I have to make about one major decisions. 
And so the light bulb came on, but the reality is the light bulb still had to be paid, right? Like it, it, it made me realize, you know, why I procrastinate, but the reality is that these things have to get done. But in realizing that it's the stress of decision making, um, what I started to do was to start to figure out what's the best time of day? How do I time it better throughout the day if it's not something that's really, really urgent to be able to kind of give myself the room and the structure and the strategies and the efficient ways of making hard decisions so I don't feel so stressed about it to the point where I procrastinate or I run away from it, all right? So that was just such a light bulb that came on in that moment. And then when it comes to the actual paralysis, like I know this is called analysis paralysis and paralysis in the uh, three P's, but I think it's important to kind of dig deeper and kind of like expound on that. And so when it comes to paralysis for oftentimes for me, what that looks like is me shutting down, (laughs) canceling the day, missing moments, missing appointments, uh, potential opportunities. Like that's how paralyzed I become because, you know, I beat myself up because either it's not perfect or I've taken too long to make a decision. And, um, you know what, once I realized that that was like also a pattern for me and, you know, I had some friends that also helped me realize that was a pattern for me as well. Instead of doing that, I had to really start affirming myself and speaking to my emotions in that moment, right? Emotions are temporal. And in that moment, my emotions were taking over and how I process the situation and my perspective on it. So, you know, to be honest with you guys, I'm a man of faith and I believe that I have like a soul. So for me, Sometimes my soul uh, tries to take over, okay? It gets in a rut. Um, It tries to take over my mind, my body. My soul gets in its feelings, and I literally have to come and uh, tap into my faith and command my soul to stop, find joy, get up, and do it. Get it done. You are not getting rid of this day. You are not getting rid of this problem. You are not shutting down today. I have to literally remind my soul, remind my feelings that I am in control and they are not. Now, some days it may take longer than others, but you know, at the end of the day, it does get done. And the reality is that that's really the most basic way for me to counteract, just like I said, being paralyzed and ruining the entire day or missing out on what the day has to offer. And so, yeah, those are my truths when it comes to dealing with an analysis paralysis. Um, It was super important for me to kind of understand this and kind of share this with you guys, the layers and the complexity and the roots for analysis paralysis and not just look at it as just a a common thing that we deal with, but there's a reason why we deal with that. And once I realized within myself why I deal with that, like I said, I'm a lot more alert and aware and vigilant in counteracting that. And so, you know, I don't think there's necessarily a one-size fits all strategy to resolving every stage of analysis, um, you know, paralysis. But I do think that there's more flexibility in finding the solutions if you know where the problem starts, right? Like if you know your proclivity, if you know your behavior to respond to things in a certain way, or if you can tell that you're following a certain pattern, I think you are more equipped to be able to counteract that, find a solution and make the most of everything that's before you. So that is my take on analysis pro paralysis. That is today's truth. And we're going to take a quick bake, break, bake. We're not baking any cookies, y'all. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, guys, so we've come to the final segment of our show. And this segment is called The Lasting Truth. 
It's our truth for thought through a proverb, principle, ideology, or a quote. And the whole point of The Lasting Truth is to leave you with something that may help you uh, grow in wisdom, inspire change, and encourage accountable action. So this episode's Lasting Truth is a quote I found from an Andrew uh, J. Bernstein, and it reads as follows. The truth is that stress doesn't come from your boss, your kids, your spouse, traffic jams, health challenges, or other circumstances. It comes from your thoughts about these circumstances. Andrew J. Bernstein. What I love about this um, lasting truth is that it reminds us to maintain the right perspective when we're faced from the different challenges of life, especially in our third decade of living as 30-somethings. There's going to be so many things that we could blame um, our, our anger or frustration on, but the reality is, is that if we would check our perspective, there really would be nothing to blame or no one to blame because we've kept the right perspective. We're going into every situation with the right mindset, and therefore we have a little bit more control about the outcomes um, and our reactions to these circumstances. So that is our lasting truth for today. Hey friend, thanks again for tuning into another episode of the 30 Truth Podcast. If you haven't done so already, comment and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us across all social media at 30 Truth Podcast and be sure to share this episode with your followers using hashtag the 30 Truth. If you have any questions or want to be featured on our show, email us at 30truthpodcast at gmail.com.